What's up, everyone, and welcome to episode number 16 of the Building Strength Podcast with your boy, Theo Lim. So, let me start today off with a loving kindness meditation. If you guys listened to episodes ago, I introduced that. I've spoken about it a little bit on Instagram. So all you need to do, this is going to take 10 seconds. Think of two people, whether that's your friend, your family, maybe someone you don't really like that much. And just think in your head. You don't even have to say it out loud. Just think, visualize the person, and just say to yourself in your head, I wish for this person to be happy. And then think of a second person. I wish for that person to be happy. So I'm going to give you 10 seconds right here. Give it a go. And just feel how you feel after. So. How'd that feel, guys? Felt nice, right? Yeah, that felt nice. So that's something I've really been trying to practice um, throughout the day, whenever I remember. And it's actually really... It's really funny how it feels when you say it about someone you don't like or someone that's like currently making you mad. So it's actually like so curious when I'm driving and someone like cuts me off or someone go someone's going really slow and I'm kind of mad at them. But then I think that like I wish for that person to be happy. And in my head, I always think, like, that's such a weird feeling. So anyway, that was a good start. Everyone feels good. So today I want to talk a little about coaching. Coaching, what I've learned in the last couple um, weeks, couple months, and what I've been practicing. So, in terms of coaching... I think auto-regulation is very important. So what auto-regulation means is that just because you, as a coach, you go into the session with a plan for your clients or for your athletes, just because you've spent the time to come up with a program for them on that day, it doesn't mean that you always have to follow it to a T. You... So auto-regulation is like if you need to modify the workout based on the person's energy levels or based on the person's mobility levels on that day. So like any given day, right? So if you need to change it, you need to change it. Say someone comes in and this starts from the moment the client walks in the door. Um, The assessment is an ongoing process. It starts from the time they walk in to the time they leave. So say someone walks in and you can see in their face that they look really tired. And then you, you know, you ask them how they are, how their day went. And they tell you that they slept two hours that night and work was very stressful. It was, and they're drained. So right off the bat, you, they've given you signs that 
they're not feeling super optimal that day. And that's okay. They still showed up, which is the important part. They showed up. And as a coach, say, let's say, for example, I had max effort squats planned that day. Like they were going to go up to 90% of their one rep max. And they were going to rep that out for as many as they could. Obviously, that might not go that well. So, you give them some time, warm up, they do the warm up, and by constantly assessing how they're moving, their body language, and also um, asking them, like, how do they feel? Maybe they start to feel better within um, the 10 minutes that they do the warm up, or maybe they're still super, super tired by the time they finish their warm up. That's okay. So, what I would do is I'd get them under the bar warm up with the bar, warm up with 95 pounds, warm up with 135 pounds, 185 pounds. And after every set, just asking them how they feel and seeing how the bar's moving, whether there's some speed to it or whether it's slower than usual. So they hit 185 and it's a bit heavy and you had planned for 315 that day. We'll go up to 225 hit a couple reps there, and they still feel pretty crappy. At that point, this is where the auto-regulation comes in. This is where the art of coaching comes in. I'm not going to put this guy in jeopardy. Like, if he's not feeling too hot and you add the weight on the bar, there's an increased chance of injury. Um, that's the main thing, really. If he's not feeling good, and you give them that weight anyway, the chance of injury is a little higher than normal. And you don't want that. Like, at the end of the day, longevity is number one. So, what I would do is, okay, let's just do 225 for three sets of three, and then we'll move on, and we'll get the hell out of here. So, that's an example of auto-regulation. Um, the same thing could be said if you had planned a really hard conditioning workout and the person came in and they're not feeling too hot at all. What I usually do is I get them on the um, sled. I'll do some sled drags, backward sled walking, forward sled walking. And usually what I tell people is like, okay, you don't feel too good right now, but great work on showing up. That's very important. Great work on your end. Let's make today's session, the goal of today's session, instead of what we had planned, Let's make the goal to walk out of the gym feeling better than when you had walked in. So things that aren't too intense, but will still get the blood flowing, get the oxygen going, and just get the body moving, right? So sled drags, um, arm work, light core work, nothing too intense. So that's where auto-regulation comes in. That's how I put it to use. Like anytime, uh, the assessment, again, as I said, the assessment starts from the moment they walk in the door. And the only reason why a coach would push that person to do the, the amount of reps and weight that they had planned, even though the person is feeling bad, the only reason why a coach would do that is due to ego. Like, 
the client doesn't the client or the athlete doesn't gain anything by doing shitty reps because the weight was too heavy for that day even though they could have done it on a good day that's besides the fact by not doing that weight they don't lose anything i always tell people that okay you don't feel too good today that's fine we had this planned but let's do this instead and by not doing what we had planned you literally do not lose anything because if you if you um, force them to do it you push them to do it again the chance of injury is there and what if they don't show up next week you just lost a client and they got hurt that's the more important part as a coach you never want to get you don't want to put people in a position where they will get hurt obviously the risk is there but it's our job to minimize that risk so that's auto regulation um, that's just something I've been it's something I feel like I've already I've always been in tune with I have um, I think I'm very emotionally in tune with people just like aware of how people are feeling based on their body language based on what they're telling me and again it's because I'm always drilling them with questions always looking for that feedback always looking for signals whether or not they're feeling good or not so with that being said I want to talk a little bit more about coaching and what I've been currently working on I think when I first started coaching people, like obviously they're paying you and you want to give them value. And I think it's a big mistake to give too many cues to your lifters, to your clients. Like that's something I did terribly wrong when I first started. I think that's what everyone does especially when you're teaching complex movements like the squat or the deadlift or the bench press any movement really because there are so many cues like they have to know where their feet are going where their hips and ankles are going how to organize their back bracing the core and then that's just the setup and then they have to actually do the lift so one thing i've really been working on is like knowing when to give cues and when not to give cues so a big big tip for all you coaches out there is to give them one cue at a time so for example for the squat I let's say for example I start with their feet foot positioning okay let's try this foot positioning and let's try grabbing the floor like gripping the floor with your big toe your little toe and your heel and finding equal distribution across those three touch points so I give them that cue they do a set and it doesn't matter if their like upper back is crap or their core is not engaged, whatever. The important thing is that they feel their feet on the ground and they feel that extra engagement in their hips, their glutes, their quads. Again, it doesn't matter because if you're smart about it, the person shouldn't have 200 pounds on their back while you're trying to teach them the basics. Ideally, they're doing this body weight, possibly onto a box. So, okay, feel out, feel how that feels for your feet. That feels better, right? They do the set, you ask them, okay, that felt better or no? It felt better. Okay, good. Let's keep that. Now let's add one more thing. Now I want you to break at the hips a little more 
sit back a little more with the hips and push the knees out to the side as you come down. So let's do another set. Boom, they do it, they get that down. Okay, that's great. Okay, so now let's work up the chain. Let's add some core engagement. So you remember that breathing we worked on? Let's add that in now. Let's brace that core, boom. They do that, great. Okay, now lastly, let's make sure our back is flat. Let's make sure that upper body is nice and controlled, nice and tight. Okay, let's do it. Boom, they get that. Four sets done, and they have it. And again, what I always drive at is like, I take the time to teach the person correctly on the first time. We're not gonna rush into the, and we're not gonna rush into more weight. There's like, we have all the time in the world for that in the future. Let's get this down right now, because once you get it down and you fully understand it and you know how it feels, you're going to have that forever, as long as you practice it. So one thing I did, one thing, this is only something I probably started last year. And for the year before that, it was a lot of like, okay, make sure your feet are, feet are in place, brace the core, back is flat, hips, knees. And it's like, it's just too much for the person to take in while trying to execute the movement. So that's really one big tip I have is just one cue at a time. And if you're smart about it, there's no load. So they're not in danger of hurting themselves by not doing another aspect of the lift correctly. Another thing that I see all too often is if the client, if you're cueing the client during their heaviest set, like reminding them to like cueing them too much it's okay to give one or two right but if you're like trying to teach them the lift while they're doing the top set that's that's so backwards like you should be cueing them as they warm up into their top sets like they should get this down and if they don't have it down they shouldn't go up in weight so one thing for you coaches out there one thing that I think is really beneficial is to make sure they have it down from the get. So by the time they hit their heaviest weights, they're good. So last thing that I've really been working on as a coach is just learning to shut the hell up. As I said, it's like you think you want to provide, you think you should provide more value by saying like, by always having to say something while doing their set like okay if someone's doing a 10 rep 10 reps on their set you don't have to say something every three to four reps i know it seems like we should like oh yeah good job looks great yeah keep it tight yeah um chest up knees out keep it tight keep going looks great one thing i've really been working on is just letting them do the set i don't even say anything anymore Unless something is needed to be said, like I need to remind them to take the next breath before they go again. If I know they have it down, I'll just leave them to it. And I think what that does is like it removes that distraction from me and it just lets them work with it and work on it. And what I've been seeing is that like the response or their performance has been like increased almost by me not saying so much by me shutting the hell up, really. Like, because again, if you've taught them well, 
they're gonna know if one rep, if on one rep they like pitched a little forward on the squat, and then you you without saying anything, you see them correct it for the next rep. That's fucking wonderful. So, learning to shut up, learning when to give cues, and learning when not to give cues, and very important, auto regulation. The assessment starts at the door. It starts when they walk in the door. Remember that. And again, just because you had something planned, it doesn't mean that you need to do that exact workout or that exact lift. They might need to modify their lift. Um, it's, it's so, so important. Like The only reason why you would make them do it is due to your own ego. So that's the coaching thing. That's what I've been working on a lot. Um, just like auto-regulating. Oh, I see. I remember what I was going to say. So if you guys have follow me on Instagram, you see I post stories of like my, um, my clients' workouts. I'll take a picture of the before and I'll take one of after. And usually the after is like all over the place. I have notes everywhere. I have rep counts. Sometimes the exercises need to be switched up. And it, what I was going to say is that it rarely goes as I planned it. Like it's very rare that I just do a check mark across everything because we did everything that was planned. That's like seriously very rare. Um, most of the time, there are a lot of modifications being made, whether that's rep counts, I need to decrease it or we increase it if the person's feeling better. But usually it's like tailoring things back based on their energy levels, based on their stress levels, based on their mobility levels. Lots of factors, guys. So we're going to take a quick break right here. I just want to make sure you guys are breathing. Everyone's got their breath back. Everyone's aware of their breath again. Awesome. All right. So with that being said, I got a question about breathing during high intensity interval training. This person asked me, um, how can they improve their breathing or can they do anything about their breathing while they're doing high intensity interval training? They said it feels like there's a blood buildup in like their lungs, their body. Is it due to a lack of breathing? So I'm super big on breathing. I think it's making a comeback. I think it's already in the comeback stage. Breathing is hot right now. So, why we want to become better at breathing. If we become better at breathing, using our core muscles as opposed to breathing into the chest, breathing into our diaphragm instead, if we can improve these breathing mechanics, you guys know this. If you stand up or you're sitting right now, whatever, if you just breathe nice and deep breath into the belly, if done correctly, when you take that inhale into the diaphragm, those shoulders should pull back, right? So better breathing mechanics will improve your posture. It'll help with your posture and better posture will improve our performance. 
So what does that mean for high intensity interval training? Well, if you don't, if you aren't consciously practicing your breathing, whether during your everyday life, or if you don't have like a breathing practice, like meditation or yoga, um, or and if you're not conscious of your breathing while warming up, like these are opportunities to improve your breathing mechanics. And it's just, again, like everything else, practice, practice, practice by doing it. So if you're not improving your breathing mechanics while you're in a relaxed or semi-relaxed state, your breathing is going to be rough when you're actually doing stuff. And then when you're doing high-intensity intervals, you're going to be gasping for air. And because you haven't practiced in a relaxed state, in a chill state, then you go to a very intense state, your breathing is not going to be there. It's like, it's like not learning how to do a proper bodyweight squat and then going to a boot camp and you're doing like a million squats and a million squat jumps. Well, you didn't practice it while you're, while you're um, in a comfortable state. Then you go into an uncomfortable state and you're asked to do a hundred of them. It's not going to go well, right? So my tip for that would be to really um, work on your breathing mechanics outside of the gym, during your warm-up, while you're cooling down, and just practicing, practicing, practicing. It's like the more conscious you become of it, become of your breathing, I don't think that made sense. The more conscious you are of your breathing, the more conscious you'll be even though even when you're stressed out and this is where the real power of breathing comes in when you can harness that breathing when you're in a stressed state that's going to benefit you so much it's going to teach you to um it's going to be a strong anchor for yourself and it's just going to improve your breathing mechanics and again, by improving your breathing mechanics, you're going to improve your posture. By improving your posture, you will improve your performance. So, this is episode 16. I'm going to end it right here because I think I got what I wanted to say out. Again, if you're a coach... Main takeaways is auto-regulation. The assessment starts when the client walks in the door. And it ends when they leave as well. For breathing, keep practicing the breathing, guys. Drive better breathing patterns. You literally lose nothing by breathing better. You're only going to gain by breathing better. With that being said, I hope you guys enjoyed. I'm back on the mic today, back on my actual mic, so I'm sure the quality is much better. As always, thank you for listening. I appreciate you guys so much. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Make sure you drop a review on iTunes. These things help me so much. 
So if you can do that, that would be awesome. Thanks so much, guys. Until next week, peace out.